Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. Today is Thursday, September 22nd. It's five minutes after 11. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us this morning. His name is Rob Kendall. He's on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. I'm there too, Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Also, you can hear all the music that Kevin picks is our bumper music. If you're on Spotify, just type in Kendall and Casey. You get that playlist or enter today's date and then Kendall and Casey and you'll get uh, each day's specific playlist. Okay, let's talk about what's going on in New York City. They have lost their minds, Rob. They're talking They have about, lost their mind. They lost it a long time ago. Yeah, they're now talking about getting rid of statues, specifically George Washington statues, Christopher Columbus statues, and this is all part of a reparations plan. Didn't they not hear what happened in California? Well, and don't you love that we have now reached a point where George Washington mm. is offensive and it has to be removed. And this is what we talk about all the time on this show is that the left liberalism, radical leftism, mm-hmm. it's never satisfied. It can't be satisfied because it exists to eat. It is like a game of Pac-Man where it just keeps moving and it just keeps eating and it just keeps consuming. And eventually it will come for you. And it is, what is amazing is all the way back in 2017, uh, Donald Trump was warning people about this. This was back when he was still on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they took the, they were taking down statues of like Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson. He literally said, and this was the tweet from August of 2017 Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, who's next? Washington, Jefferson, so foolish. And at the time, if you remember, people said, oh, well, that would never happen. They wouldn't. Here we are six years later. Yeah. New York is trying to remove statues of George Washington. Okay, so the city council's cultural affairs committee is reportedly set to host a public hearing. And one of the members has been on record in New York City's city council. Uh, somebody asked her, aren't you going to offend a bunch of Italians if you take down the Christopher Columbus statue? And she was not aware that he was Italian. <laughs> Like, learn your history before you start making these decisions. They want to replace these statues with $10,000 plaques. Yeah, so they've got this City Council Cultural Affairs Committee. Boy, doesn't that sound like mm-hmm. a just rousing group of individuals. And they're going to host a public hearing on the idea that they would, this is according to Post Millennial, uh, get rid of any statue on or initiative or painting or anything on city property of any person that depicts a person who owned enslaved persons or directly benefited economically from slavery or who participated in systematic crimes against indigenous people or other crimes against humanity. So like Trump said, Washington, Jefferson, et al., all the founders for the most part, not every single one of them, but for the most part, they're all out of here. And this is what, if you look at... Marxist communist regimes, what do they do? What is one of the staples? You erase the history and then you create the history. Right. The, our our history, it's like an onion, right? There's many, many layers to it. And why do you have to completely get rid of it? Statues are stationary, by the way. Right. They're, they're not going... They don't do things. Now they're blaming a statue for what? Inspiring you to do something? Yeah, like, like, I mean, what is the theory? That someone's going to look at a George Wash... Casey, okay, let's just try this just 
this is this could totally blow up in my face, but I'm gonna try it here. When you see a photo of George Washington, when mm-hmm. you look at a one dollar bill, mm-hmm. what do you think? What are the first things that come to mind? Well, I think founder of the country, That's first correct. president. Yes, obviously, yes. People would think you are inspired. Mm-hmm. I to this day, when I look at a one dollar bill, am inspired by the stoic expression of George Washington, and I think of all the incredible things that George Washington did. He is arguably the greatest American who ever lived, which is why our nation's capital is named after him. There's another state named after him, George Washington. Washington, you could make a very compelling case as the greatest American who ever lived. And clearly, we would not be a nation now without the sacrifice of George Washington. You can tell the story of George Washington and say that and have a statue to him and still say, hey, look, the guy owned slaves as many, 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 many Americans did at the time. And that was abhorrent and that was awful. And we should totally reject and you know, refute any person who promotes racial discrimination, you know, to this day, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that we erase the incredible bravery that George Washington showed leading the Continental Army to what to arguably the greatest military upset in human history and then leading successfully the United States of America for the first eight years of its inception. And those mistakes have been corrected, of by the way. Of course they have. I mean, we, we started the show talking, uh, Donald Trump saying that the MAGA movement is one of the greatest political movements of all time. And <laughs> one of the movements that I mentioned was the abolitionist movement. All right. We, we corrected that mistake. So let's move on from there. But isn't it more important at this point that they address more pressing issues that are going on in that city? Aha. Now you've hit the nail on the head, Casey, which is, and I have talked about this for many, 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 many years on these airwaves and many others. Liberals can't actually solve problems, so they invent problems so that you won't pay attention or will be distracted or won't put the magnitude necessary behind the problems that they are unable to solve. After the lunatic uh, behavior during the summer of love, Joe Hogsett didn't fix that here. He allowed a group of people to paint Indiana Avenue why? So then nobody's focusing on Joe Hogsett's inability to solve violent crime. And three years later, we've still got suspected murderers accidentally being released from custody. Liberals don't solve problems. They invent new problems to keep you from focusing on the problems they promised to solve that they did not solve. One of the big problems facing New York City right now and, well, the entire country, but definitely there, uh, as the governor has said, the governor of New York has said, uh, they're at capacity and they have new uh, migrants arriving every single day. They're settling there and now the Biden administration granting temporary legal status to nearly 500,000 migrants so now they can work and keep in mind that this is posing a 12 billion dollar cost to the people of new york but let's not talk about that let's get rid of these statues my other favorite part of this according to the post millennial is that there's going to be a public design commission Mm -hmm. that is going to be made Mm -hmm. to oversee installing quote, explanatory plaques. Plaques. So like if they allow the Washington statue to stand, hey, yeah, 
this dude, sure, he led the Continental Army and he won the Revolutionary War and he was our nation's first president. And yeah, but that MFR, he owned some slaves. So you need to know how awful he was. We just know there would be too much outcry if we actually took him down. Okay, so we've completely lost control at the southern border and we're giving all of these work permits to these Venezuelans. What do you think is going to happen next? More will come. And that's more that New York City and every other city across the entire country is going to have to deal with. But these people would rather I, worry about a statue. I also just, I mean, I just let's move on because I'm going to say something that gets myself in trouble. And I'm way too valuable to get in trouble, Casey. Okay. Uh, yesterday, the Judiciary Committee were peppering Attorney General Merrick Garland. Lots of questions about the Justice Department's investigation into Hunter Biden. And at one point, Garland was blasted over doing nothing about Joe Biden admitting that he strong-armed the Ukrainian president and prime minister into firing Shokin. Yeah, there you go. Solid. Mr. Attorney General, what you just saw, there was Joe Biden in his arrogance and role as the vice president in this country saying, if you don't fire Shokin, the United States isn't given the $1 billion loan. Why would Joe Biden say that as the vice president? Why would he say such a thing? Was it policy? Was it our policy at the time? Yes or no? It wasn't. I have documents here. Interagency policy committee dated a Point of information. Is the gentleman ever going to let the I'm on my time. Pipe down. Saying Shokin had made significant reforms. Texas. He's made significant reforms, Shokin did. Matter of fact, John Kerry says he was impressive. And you know, within a few months after Shokin was fired, they appoint a prosecutor that said, we're not going to look in the Burisma anymore. Cancel that. Forget it. We're not looking in the Burisma. Boom. Here comes the million dollars. Joe Biden threatened the Ukrainian president and the prime minister. Everybody can see it to fire Shokin or the United States won't give the billion dollars. If that is not quid pro quo, sir, what is? I will tell you what it is and America agrees with me. It's bribery and it's impeachable. Are you going to do something about it? I bet you not. And that's why you, sir, also need to be impeached. I yield back. So the gentleman has expired. So Troy Nels is the guy's name who you were hearing. He is a U.S. rep from Texas. And my favorite part of that is where he tells Jerry Nadler, hey, Tubby, pipe down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my time. This is it. This is my time. Uh, the impeachment inquiry is set to begin on Thursday of next week. So clear your calendar for that day. K- Casey, when we come back, yeah. there is a piece of audio. Some local TV station in South Carolina mm-hmm. talked to a guy who saw that military plane go down, that $100 million plane that was lost, and it's now obviously just a pile of debris. You mean that $100 million plane that you paid for? Yes, that we paid for. Yes, that's correct. It did Uh not grow on a plane tree. And they, this local (laughs) TV station caught up with a guy who saw the plane go down, and his description is just the best. It's on the way with Kendall and Casey from 93 WIBC. (laughs) Call on me. I'd like to answer that question. 19 after 11 is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So a third of millionaires fear they could outlive their retirement savings. This is according to a new survey. So the benchmark used to be a million dollars. You think you need a million dollars to retire, right? But now 33% say they're afraid they're going to run out of money rather than run out of life. Well, and this is a staggering statistic, uh, 
according to this new survey, millionaires on average think they'll need $3 million to retire comfortably. Now, we've gotten into the thing of it's a quality of life, a standard of life issue, what mm-hmm. may be comfortable for you, and because you live a very jet-setting, high-flying existence, is going to be markedly different than me. And then Kev, one step below us, living in his van, will need even less than, <laughs> than both of us. But I mean, look, kind of done the math, right? $50,000 is not a lot of money now on a yearly basis to bring in $50,000 is not a lot of money. You're certainly not dining at St. Elmo's every evening. Well, if you had a million dollars, simple math tells us that's 20 years. I mean, if you retire in your mid-60s or early 60s, you could certainly live to your early 80s and then boom, there it is. It's gone. I mean, it's a million sounds like a lot of money. It's really not. Okay, so overall, the average American now thinks that they're going to have to work until they're 65 to be retirement ready. That's up from 64, which was just last year. And if you ask me tomorrow, it's probably going to be 66 or 67, depending on the gas prices that just keep ticking up and the cost of everything else that just keeps ticking up on a daily basis. Well, you know, we did the whole thing yesterday about the national debt and how, hey, mm-hmm. and we did it on every 10 years because the, in 1982, it went over a trillion dollars. And we talked about, hey, uh, hey, there was certainly, and this is where I can't make it any more clear to you how there is no difference between Democrats and Republicans on most things. You know, under Republicans for the pre- next 10 years, it grew by about four times that amount, up to the four million something. Yet then under majority Democrat rule from 92 to 2002, Clinton was forced to. He didn't do it willingly, but we give credit where credit is due. Clinton worked with Gingrich. They balanced the budget and the nation's debt over the next 10 years only, only, <laughs> it's funny to say, but certainly by today's comparison, only grew by two trillion. Mm-hmm. And then you saw absolute explosion under Bush and Obama. And then the next 10 years, you saw an absolute even greater explosion under Trump and and Obama. And now under Biden, it's a new level of stupid. And look, this is where we're at. I mean, these politicians are to blame, but we keep voting for these same people. Why? Because legalized vote buying is the drug these people live by in Washington, D.C. It's the drug the nation lives by our state lives by it's this is wild casey okay so uh you know last week i talked about we were laughing how i went to the uh, brownsburg town council meeting mm-hmm. and they are proposing they apparently have enough money for an 18 million dollar swimming pool right. and to give town employees eight percent raises but they're so tight on their money they have to raise your tax rate by five percent and i'm looking at this chart and i'm laughing because their budget casey Brownsburg is a town of 30,000 people. Their proposed budget, you're going to puke when you hear this number. It's almost $80 million. Wow. That's Casey, that's, that's a like lot. and I was doing math in my head and I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. That's like $35 million more than when I was on the governing board and that was only 7 7 and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. The the budget has almost doubled in 7 and a half years. The town expenses have not doubled. Right. You find and then my point on all this is and it's true in every community. Like if you look at every community it's almost identical to this. 
People find ways to grow the government. It's not like, well, inflation really got us, and so we had to. No, you find new things to make government, and then once you've made it government, then you have to keep it forever. We talk about it in the state of Indiana with the Medicaid expansion or the school entitlements, or you know, now it's, hey, it's free textbooks for everyone. The textbook fairy is going to come under everybody's pillow and put a textbook out. No, you've made it a government entitlement. Once you make something a government entitlement, it never goes away. Way, and this is why this crap is out of control. You ask often, where does the money go? We have your answer. It goes to your taxes. It's right there, right there in their budget. Yes, but I, I, Casey, I'm being facetious. I know where it goes. They waste it. But on what? <laughs> on do a you, pool. Do you ever look around and go, WTF am I getting for my money? Have you ever just stopped in the yes. middle of the day and yes. said, what am I? Like, if you live in Indianapolis, look at this hellhole in which we exist. We are existing right now. Have you ever stopped and gone? Where did the money go? Yes, all the time when I get my paycheck. Yes. And they tax it. And then I go to the grocery store and they tax what I buy. And I fill up my car and they tax that. Yes. Yes, everything. Everything. And now, now just, just watch. They're going to stop calling it a tax and they're going to start calling it a fee. Well, that's what the, no, well, the, you, you say that, but that's what the Indiana Republicans do. Like if you look at when you get your license plate, your, disposal fee. I mean, there's all sorts of fees on your, when you get your license every year, mm-hmm. there's a reason it costs $150 or $125 or whatever it, whatever it, co- well, look, you drive a very expensive car, Casey. I drive a car that was around when Capone was co- was calling the shots in Chicago. So that's why mine is less expensive than yours. Now, don't lead our listeners on. I drive an older vehicle as well. It's not like I'm driving around a brand new car. Don't you have to, uh, don't, don't, aren't your motorcycles very expensive though? Yeah, and I'm, and that's well. There's insurance there. That's where the money goes to. And how how many times out of the course of a year do you think you actually drive your motorcycle? Not as much this past year. Yeah, and think about reasons for that. You have to pay for it regardless. Yeah, it's it's sitting there insured, not being written. But my point on all of this is they don't call it taxes. It's a we. It's a it's a so and so fee Mm -hmm. or this fee Mm -hmm. or that fee. It's a tax. Yeah. Real quick before we go to break. So that plane, that military aircraft. Yeah. Hundred million dollars plus on the the tab that we paid for. It simply disappeared. Mm -hmm. Uh, We heard John Kirby the other day go. Oh, yeah, we'll look into it. We'll figure out why it disappeared. Flew 60 miles without a pilot. Isn't that wild? Yeah. They're lucky it went down in a field, right? Yeah, absolutely, instead of a, a crowded city. Yeah. So a local TV station in South Carolina caught up with this guy who purports to have seen the plane crash, and the audio is just <laughs> priceless. Uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, saw that between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? <laughs> and I heard a boom. Then my whole house shook. Sounds like Kevin Sunday at the Viagra Boys concert. <laughs> that was like a Little Richard scream right <laughs> it there. Was. I want to start a band with that guy. Grab that audio clip and throw a beat behind it, okay? Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, it was like on pitch and everything. Yeah, it was. Uh, apparently, other eyewitnesses said that that uh, fighter jet flew upside down at over 100 feet before it crashed. It was inverted. It is 1127. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. (laughs) We've been on the air for two and a half hours now, and you didn't correct me at all. That's correct. All morning, I've been saying that it's Thursday, September 22nd. That's correct. It's not. 
Right. It's the 21st. That's correct. Why didn't you say something? Because I figured if you were too lazy to look it up or <laughs> too incompetent to realize what day it was, then- You're going to well, let me go with it? Yeah. Okay. That's unlike you. I thought for sure you would just like jump all over that. No, I'm, I'm done correcting you. I'm just going to let it roll now. <laughs> like if you wanted to call whatever you called that guy, Lynchpin or whatever Murdoch's kid's name was. Lachlan. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think, I think it's Lachlan. Lachlan. Yeah. I'm just done correcting you, Casey. I've just I've done it for a year and a half, and I'm just going to let it roll. Whatever comes out of your mouth, we're going to roll with. Okay. Tell everybody what you have coming up on Tuesday. Uh, let that roll. Uh, <laughs> that's now I need Casey to help me with something. Uh, Casey will be Wait, there. What? With this as well. Uh, going to be speaking at the Indy Defenders of Liberty. It'll be Tuesday, September the 26th. Because today is the 21st, so 22nd <laughs> is Friday, 23rd is Saturday, 24th is Sunday, 25th is Monday, 26th is uh, Tuesday. Uh, it'll be 6.30 in the evening in Avon. Uh, you, It is free to attend, however, due to their anticipation of attendance. You do have to have a ticket. Uh, right now, you can go to at Robin Kendall on Twitter, and you can see the link there. And you can get your ticket, and we will have fun and frivolity together. We will talk about all the people we give nicknames to on this show. Uh, we'll talk about the Good Time Fun Gang at the Indiana General Assembly. We'll talk about what needs to be done. We'll talk about the governor's race. Uh, and Casey will be there uh, to take photos. And If I get the date right. Well, you know. <laughs> by the way, I love, this was great. So we, we talked about our friend Jace, who is a longtime listener, was yeah. here uh, during the 10 o'clock hour. So the nine o'clock hour, whatever. He was here during the one of the hours and uh, came all the way from South Carolina and is a huge fan of the show. And again, it's amazing because on one hand, we're told well, nobody listens. And then some guys from South Carolina is like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to meet you guys. Um, so you decide who's who's in the right here anyway. And when he got done, he sat in the show for a little bit and he had to go to the airport. And then he said, uh, hey, I'd like to get a picture with you guys. Yeah. And he asked you, what a gentleman. Yeah. A member of the U.S. military. He asked, you said, is it all right if I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah. When we were posing for the picture, he said, do you mind if I put my arm around you? Uh, I said, now no. I feel bad for all the places that I put my hand without permission, like your back, <laughs> your shoulder. I mean, nothing inappropriate, but I really should have asked. Maybe. Uh, and, and I did. I did point that out to him. I said, thank you for asking, because many, many people don't. Really? And they'll just do it. And it, it, it's fine. But <laughs> I thought it, it was nice that he asked. He wanted permission first, which was a preemptive move on his part, yeah. I think, because he didn't want this to come back 20 years later. Absolutely. With some that's sort of... the world in which we live. Uh -huh. But that's because he's a member of the military. He's a good dude. He's a father. He's a husband. And he said, "Hey, may I put my?" He didn't ask me. He just straight up put his hand on my shoulder. <laughs> what am I? If I if I am cut, do I not bleed? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a person too. He didn't think you'd be offended by it 20 <laughs> years later. 11:35. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Uh, coming up, Abdul's going to join us. And we're going to talk more about uh, John Rust and how he's trying to get on the ballot. And uh, first, let's talk about what's going on with Stellantis. They announced that they would temporarily lay off an estimated 300 employees in its Kokomo casting and transmission plants. And this is that point of the program where you point out you were right. Uh, yes, you know, I hate to do this, Casey. And I appreciate it, even though I was just very rude and insulting for you, claiming that I was going to allow you to flounder in misery on dates going forward and not correct you. You're such a team player. Player that you were willing to say, Rob, would you like to point out how you were right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we told you this would happen, and this is why I have zero sympathy for these UAW people who are on strike, because there is a certain level of vengeance in the strike, 
and they're using their ability to affect other people's jobs as part of the leverage over getting the auto manufacturer to do what they want. Mm -hmm. And that is not a sympathetic figure. That is not something that I'm going to look at and say that's okay. That's gross and disgusting that you know your job affects other people's jobs. And so you're going to harm someone who has absolutely nothing to do with you. And this is what's happening in part in Kokomo. Yeah, Stellantis says they're going to continue to closely monitor the impact of the strike and how it affects their other manufacturing operations. But the UAW president who is originally from Kokomo, said that the union is prepared to escalate the strike to more locations if the companies have not made substantial progress towards a fair agreement. Imagine if I get in a dispute with our management Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with you and you, Casey, say, hey, I'm fine with the agreement I have with management. And I say, well, you know, I'm I'm just uh, disappointed in the pay I'm getting or the endorsements or whatever. And so... Um, <laughs> Don't you dare take me down with well, you. Well, this is the point, though, right? It would be the equivalent of me figuring out, going, look, I'm going to leverage. I know the show would go on without me. Would it be as good? Of course not. Would the ratings be as high? Of course not. But there would still be a show with mm-hmm. Casey and Kev or Casey and Kloppenstein or Casey and whoever. Or the the third next hour of Tony Katz. There, <laughs> it will now be nine hours of Tony Katz. The point is... You would still have employment. I would not, in my negotiations with my management, go, I'm going to take Casey out in the process, too. (laughs) My beef with management would be my own, and if I choose to sit home, it's my own. But I wouldn't be doing with the malicious intent of, hey, I can screw Casey, too, and then hopefully that'll force Casey to have to go to management and go give Rob whatever he wants. (laughs) And that's essentially what these guys are doing, and it's already starting. Yeah, I'm not going to feel sympathy for those people, Casey. Okay, let's turn our attention to what's but on. I, w- I would totally throw Kevin under the bus you would? for the record. Not you, though. Of course hey, you would. Hey, by the way, our uh, visitor was very polite with Kevin, too. Wanted his picture with Kevin. Did he ask permission to put his hand on your shoulder? I actually put my hand on his shoulder. Oh, gropey McGroperson. I, I see I how it is. I did not ask permission. I, maybe I should have. You should have. But it was nice that he included you, and he did say, I don't want Kevin to be left out. Yeah, that's always appreciated. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Okay, on WIBC.com right now, there's a couple side pieces. One, Indianapolis ranks second for the worst city for summer lovers, people who enjoy seeking the sun. Uh, oh, sorry, my mind went somewhere else. Well, this topic's not nearly as, as I mean, I should have read the story, I suppose, before I put it That's on the That's not what you thought it was about. Well, no, what did you was, think it was well, about? I just, I just went with the title, and it's, I mean, the title on the thing says, uh, you know, we're wait, wait, second worst city for summer lovers, and I thought, well, we were going to have some dime store novel chat here, but apparently not. You mean summer lovers as in like people who love the summer. Yes, ah, because the uh, the crap. season the season is ending. Now you're not as excited about No, I don't care at all it. about this. You say whatever you have to say and let's go on to the next thing. Okay. Uh, the, the list of cities that aren't good for people who like summer sun. Uh, Columbus, number one. Indianapolis ranked number two, followed by Louisville, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, Milwaukee, Portland, Seattle, and then New York City. Basically and, all hell holes. Yeah, well, they based it on miles of beach per every 100,000 residents. So yeah, Indy would rank pretty high on that. Also, percentage of sunny days per year. Yeah. Also, number of parks. It's kind of, yeah, it is kind of hard when it gets dark at 5 o'clock mm-hmm. half the year. And also the average temperature in October. The best place to get all of these wonderful things, mm-hmm. 
Las Vegas, Tucson, Virginia Beach, El Paso, Phoenix, Mesa, San Diego, Sacramento, Long Beach, California, and mm. then Tampa. Oh, very good. Okay, the other one on WIBC.com is the big showdown in South Bend on Saturday. Is that a night game? It is a night game. Are you coming over to our house again? That is this weekend, isn't it? It is this weekend, which is why you wrote a side piece about it, Casey. Literally on this WIBC, the title mm-hmm. is literally WIBC.com. <laughs> I love working with you, Casey, because you're like, that's this weekend. The, side, the title literally says, Saturday Showdown in South Bend. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Yeah. Ohio State coming to South Bend. Uh, hotels already sold out, expected to be one of the most anticipated and exciting matchups of the college football season this year. So big that ESPN's College Game Day is going to be there. Uh, you're having no part of it. You'll be watching it from your dad's family room, won't you? Is it? Well, it depends. What channel is it on? It's on NBC. Oh, no. Like I get, all of the home I, Notre Dame no, no, games I, I, have been for years. Oh, I, okay. See, well, some of them not. Sometimes it's ESPN and all sorts of other weird stuff. So here's the thing, Casey. Yeah. Uh, my dear friend Shane, mm-hmm. who runs the radio station in Brownsburg, the community station there, for Christmas last year, he gave me one of those local a- digital antennas. Mm-hmm. So now I get all the local stations. Oh, so nice. I only need to be nice to my dad when something's on cable. Okay. Like the other night, Monday Night Football, <laughs> cable, ESPN, had to be nice to him, had to mm-hmm. go over. But for something like this, no, I can just be an insufferable hag as a neighbor because I get NBC. Now, the question remains, mm-hmm. last year, you and your husband mm-hmm. screwed the entire Notre Dame season up because <laughs> you came to came to our house, mm-hmm. you were watching the game, yeah. Notre Dame was winning, yeah. and then at halftime you're like, all right, we're going to go home now. Got to go. And a high school team could have beat Notre Dame in the second half. Yeah. So. Yeah. But they didn't have a 50-year-old quarterback last year like they do Now, this you year. think he's very handsome, don't you? He's a good-looking yeah, guy. Yeah, I know. I think him and that Gracie Hunt that you and Hammer are yeah. just enthralled with would make a, a beautiful couple. Boy, they would just people. have, I don't think his wallet is big enough for her, Casey. Probably not. I don't not. think 93rd-year senior at Notre Dame <laughs> is making the sort of money that she would require. So this is going to be the first time that Ohio State visits Notre Dame Stadium since 1996. Wow. I was I was in the th- seventh grade. Really? Well, fall of 96 would have been the seventh so grade. So it's been a while, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, Bet MGM has posted their odds for the uh-huh. game, and they have the Buckeyes favored. But what's the spread? What is it? Uh, 3.5. Yeah, so so Notre Dame is getting three and a half points. I'm Mm -hmm. tempted to see what that line does. I've not checked it today. I'm tempted to go with the Irish on that because that's a field goal. And Ohio Mm -hmm. State is not that good, and Notre Dame is pretty good. Yeah, and it's a home field advantage, and that's one of those intangibles that Notre Dame always has. Yeah. You know, luck of the Irish, that Uh sort of thing. Now, right now at WIBC.com, if you want to pull down this article on the side piece, there's a little bit of uh, trivia. You can test your Notre Dame football knowledge. Saturday showdown. Casey during the segment. Oh my gosh, that's this weekend. It is this weekend. I forgot. Well, I wrote the article yesterday and I kind of forgot that, yeah, that is this weekend. Don't ask me, Rob. Clearly, I don't even know what day it is. I do know I'm getting my hair done this afternoon. Oh. And that has been the most important thing on my calendar for the past three months. Okay? Uh, good stuff. All right. Abdul's going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
WIBC, the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and gosh darn it, what a better way to wrap up our show. I cannot think of one. <laughs> he's magnanimous. He's beautiful. He's charming. He's an author. He's a broadcaster. He's a provocateur. The one and only Abdul Kim Shabazz. How are you, my friend? He's got a jacket on, so he must be lawyering today. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, but we, we had you on Tuesday to talk a little bit about this. It was kind of breaking news at the time. Todd Rokita in big trouble with the disciplinary commission over his comments about that abortion doctor on Fox News. You have now had time to see Rokita's response, digest, and you actually talked to the inspector general about is he in trouble about claiming, uh, talking about his re-election in his official response. Uh, what have you What have you uncovered? Well, uh, first of all, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Yes, you very much my, did, my and you bad. knew you said that out loud. Uh, I, I, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize, because in what are worse, Mr. Spock, when it comes to Todd Rakita, my emotions uh, yes. sometimes tend to get the, the, the better. You are neither fair nor balanced. <laughs> exactly. Not, not when it comes to Theodore. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all, the, Todd Rakita's in trouble uh, not for... Uh, Going after the the, 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 the the abortion doctor and, and all that, he's in trouble for extra for extrajudicial statements that he made in the Fox News interview with Jesse Walters. So basically what they're saying is you essentially could have tainted the jury pool, not that there's an actual jury, but you are making these statements which could influence the other people making the decisions. In, in, in a nutshell, yeah. Uh, under the under the rules of professional conduct, and actually we lawyers do have them, and, and they <laughs> said, yeah, no, yeah, ha, ha, everybody get out of your system, ha. Uh, <laughs> you, you cannot make statements that are prejudicial to the administration of justice. In a nutshell. In other words, shut up. You, you can talk about the facts of the case, but you can't say, you know, we believe that Dr. blah, blah, violate the law, yeah. violated HIPAA, blah, blah. You can't say she's an abortionist playing doctor. Yeah, right. That that you can't do. But right. those, those are just beyond the pale. Is that uh, because that goes into opinion versus facts? Um, it, it's, it's just... It's just bad. Okay. It's, it's like in the U.S. Senate. You're not supposed to attack and dem- dem- impugn the integrity yeah. of, of another of another individual. Yeah, good luck with that one too. And so what 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 Theodore did was he made some extrajudicial statements on the Jesse Waters program, and now he's in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. And then his response, which I still had me shaking my head, like what is this? person thinking he accused uh, the judicial commission of, of wokeism and saying this is trans sanity and they're trying to cancel me like what the hell are you talking about seems really weird it'd be like looking at the jury if you were in a criminal court and going you people all suck yes <laughs> And basically said the viewers are stupid, and I'm, I'm condescending. That means I talk down to people. Before they've issued their ruling. Exactly. So why, and, and, and you're already skating on thin ice to begin with, because nobody likes you anyway, because I think you're a total butthole from time to time. And like I said, I'm sorry, folks, my, my emotions are cloudy when it comes to Theodore. And so he's so he's in trouble. Uh, now the Judicial Commission is going to uh, have hearings and, and do the whole nine yards and, and go from there. Uh, so what could happen to him if indeed he has found that he did the things that he is alleged to have done? What what are the possible ramifications for the attorney general? Uh, it could be uh, a letter of reprimand. Uh, no, dis- it's, it's a range. It could be no disciplinary, no discipline whatsoever to actual disbarment. And then there are things in between. You could lose your law license for, for a temporary period, uh, like what happened with Curtis Hill when he had uh, his bar-related issues at one night, or you get a, a letter, private letter of reprimand, you get a public letter of reprimand. I tend to think that the Judicial Commission is going to take this a lot more. It's going to be more than a slap on the wrist. Yeah, well, this, yeah, because again, he did, unlike Curtis, well, Curtis got a month's suspension, but Curtis's was my behavior outside of being a lawyer. Now, again, I guess you're all, like, it's like, you, ne- you never stop being a lawyer. Yeah, right, right. But Rokita's is actually in his official government position. Yes, and Heather Marshawn, 
basically said in a hearing that Todd Rakita violated the law of confidentiality and just learned not to shut up. And I, I'm so torn on this because that what that abortion doctor did, I believe, was awful and Rokita should have gone after her in the confines of the law which I think the medical licensing board to a certain extent found that it was kind of a mixed bag ruling but just do that I mean you were pointing out statehouse happenings when even your wife who is the most non-political person in the world saw that in real time and said wow that seems kind of wrong it's like I don't think can he say that like well doesn't matter can he said he did dear so we'll see what happens and it totally taints what you're doing and this is the most important part it taints what you're doing as the attorney general which is you should be about getting justice not about playing politics with something that's serious and now Todd's in trouble. Well, and he can't walk it back. It was broadcast. It was it was broadcast, and is and and I I knew that uh, when he filed his response to the judicial to the judicial commission complaint, that he knew he knew it was coming because you don't put together a thirty six page yeah. response in two hours. Yeah, they they they've been working on that for for a while because rumor had been running around for a few weeks that uh, they were going to bring the hammer down. So he had been preparing uh, to bring the team. He had been preparing for his response. Abdul's with us. Couple minutes left here. So uh, we had John Rust on the program earlier today and he is filing that lawsuit uh to try to get on the ballot to run for u.s senate of course it hinges on the fact that he's not uh the the, the law this is you got to vote in the two consecutive republican primaries he hasn't done it i am t- i don't even know if i like the guy's politics or not i don't even care i'm team rust because if you're going to steal my money as a taxpayer i don't think the private club should get to have this super guarded society where they pick who runs either don't take my money and pick whoever or take my money and then open it up so that people can actually run for public office well i would have said it that way but fundamentally i actually agree with you oh boy uh, because uh, because i've always been a firm believer that uh if the taxpayers are going to foot the bill then it should be an open primary system yeah republicans democrats everybody runs in a primary the top two vote getters they 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 they, they go on to the general election can he uh, can 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 he continue to campaign uh, yeah, he can do whatever he wants, even though he's not on the ballot. Yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you got a campaign guy. You throw money out there like it's going out of style. Yeah, now, but, but I do think he has a point in the sense that you know, there's sort of two Republican primary or two Democratic primary requirement. Uh, to me, is ridiculous, and it violates the state constitution because you're having taxpayers fund a political activity. It's like taxpayers footing the bill for the for the conventions that, that the Republicans and Democrats do every June, July, every couple of years. You, you wouldn't want taxpayers putting that bill, so why would you want the taxpayers putting the bill for, for a purely political process? Yeah, absolutely. And this idea, you always hear the Republicans go, we're a big tent, we want new people coming in. Well, I I mean, so like if six months ago you said, you know what, I've had enough of this, and I'm not only going to be involved, I'm going to run. Well, too bad, Charlie, because four years ago you didn't pull a Republican you know, primary ballot. You're out. I mean, that is just complete hypocrisy from these people. And like I said, I, and understand uh, having guardrails, because you don't want your ballots to look like a CVS pharmacy receipt. However, <laughs> the question is, how big should those guardrails be? Yeah. All right. Before we go, uh, Jack Sandlin obviously passed away. We talked with Jim Merritt earlier in the show about this. Uh, your thoughts, uh, State Senator Jack Sandlin, I know you interviewed him many times in the eight years, and then he was obviously part of the city county council here in Indianapolis. Before that, I'll let you close with uh, maybe a memory or two about him. Uh, good guy, public servant, uh, good public servant, uh, big supporter of law enforcement. Also, uh, I want to say he worked with Cherish Pryor, state representative. Uh, she's a Democrat. He's a Republican uh, on gentrification-related issues, so senior citizens could stay in 
their own homes, even though the assessed values of the property had gone through the gone through the roof. And so uh, he was he always said what was good for Indiana and Indianapolis. Are you doing any actual work this weekend, or are you just uh, skating by as usual? Uh, doing actual work this weekend. Also, uh, we begin our uh, city polling this weekend. Oh, as well. what's what's coming up on the show? Uh, we we'll have the poll results uh, late next week, and we'll start releasing them uh, the week before early voting starts. But what are you doing this Saturday? Are you do you have a radio show? Yes, I have a yes. Well, I have who's a, on the radio <laughs> show? This should not be this hard. Uh, we're talking to Andy Downs of the Very Bike good. Down Center. Uh, also talking to Suzanne Crouch and her Axe Attacks oh. proposal, and also a conversation with Jefferson. There Schreiber. we go. Ooh, the one and only Jabaj. You can hear him Saturdays one to three here on WIBC. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.